Welcome to Screen Facts with Jason Davis. Listen to the podcast every Wednesday for a discussion and trivia about a different film. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Thank you, Kim McKay. Check out Kim's Voice voiceover services at kimsvoice.com. That's K-Y-M-S voice.com. Joining me on the podcast today, this is episode 26. That's right. We are officially at the midway point of the year. And joining me is my divine wife, (gasps) Sue Davis. Hello, darling. Wow. Hello, honey. (laughs) (laughs) And this is kind of a cool podcast because not only is it the midway point for a year, but we're also releasing this on the date that is significant in this film. It's a huge day. It's a huge day. It's a day that maybe, oh, 30 years ago, we thought would never get here. That's right. October 21st, 2015. And we are going to be celebrating that date today by talking about the great sequel, Back to the Future 2. Woo! I've been wanting to revisit Back to the Future. The original Back to the Future I covered in the second podcast. That and was a great podcast, too. Thank you. I, you know, I, I think that the first three podcasts that I did by myself are good. There's a lot of great information in yes. there for, for the movie fan. Yes. But it's obviously so much better when I do one with you or another guest because the discussion is really where it's at. Well, so. you know, yeah, it's the whole volley of information. And, and fun. Yeah, so it's kind of cool to talk about the Back to the Future universe again because I missed out on it when I did the first one by myself. So. Oh, okay. All right. So like Back to the Future 2, there's a good chance we may be covering some of the stuff that I covered in the original podcast. Forgive us if there's a little bit of overlap, but there's a lot of great stuff that came from these movies that I think you'll enjoy hearing the facts about. That's right. Well, in the movies, when they did two, they reused stuff from one. So why exactly. can't we? Exactly. So it's, it's kind of a similar thing. Right? There you go. So Back to the Future Part 2, originally released November 22nd, 1989. They actually were filming Back to the Future Part 3 at the same time as this, which I can't even imagine what that's like juggling those two scripts and Mm -hmm. setting up the shots and everything else. Mm -hmm. And plus, wasn't Michael J. Fox also working on Family Ties? Yeah, he was still on Family Ties at that Uh, time. Ah, to be young and not need much sleep. And I got to say, we were watching uh, this movie the other night. Michael J. Fox is a great physical actor, Mm -hmm. very athletic He does a lot of cool stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially back then. I mean, he really was hitting his stride. He had the popularity from TV. He had this going on with the movies. And to some young American girls like me, he was the shit. I mean, you didn't get much cuter than him. And then, you know, combine the fact that he could pull off, you know, a serious scene. Mm -hmm. He could do comedy. Mm -hmm. And then he could do all the hoverboard and skateboard stuff. I mean, it was was great. He's not your typical leading man, you know, big brawny guy. But there's something about him. He's got some sort of charisma that just radiates uh, through whatever character he's playing. I mean, look, he could even elevate Teen Wolf to cult status. I love that movie. I do too. I I think that's a really underrated, fun, silly comedy that uh, people should check out as well. Not that dumb MTV show that they made. Oh yeah, please. No. But I mean, in Teen Wolf, let's face it, he's a a basketball star. Come on, at five, four and a half? I mean, that takes some spunk. Yeah, that's about as plausible as one punch from him knocking Tom Wilson out. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Wilson and his glass jaw. AKA Biff. Yes. So uh, directed, like the first one, by Robert Zemeckis and written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, like the first movie. That's right. Well, for Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, their bonding moment at USC, which would lead to not only the Back to the Future franchise, but the launch of their careers, they bonded over the fact that they both owned the soundtrack to The Great Escape. Ah, the great Steve McQueen movie, right? Oh, yeah. Funny that we talked about Steve McQueen in the last podcast for The Karate Kid. 
There it is. Because his son Chad is in that movie. There it is. There's our universe. Yep. It's a small screen facts world. That's we just right. live in it, That's as you say. Right. Yeah. Those guys are super talented, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis. And really quick, I want to remind people that the inspiration for the original Back to the Future movie, the script, the idea right. that Bob Gale came up with was that he wondered if he would be able to be friends with his dad if he went back in time and, and met him in the high school years, which is kind of a cool, a cool thought, thought, right? thought, because, you know, I thought about it yeah, I as mean, we were watching this. My dad was 50 when I was born, mm -hmm. which is, you know, obviously older. Yeah, so, you know, you yeah. think about the differences in the generations. I don't know if I could have hung with my dad. Uh, I think I really would have liked hanging with my dad because from, you know, the pictures I've seen, you know, the little bits of video I've seen, and just the stories I've heard about him, he just seemed like he was such a fun guy. I mean, even as he got older and then even when he got sick, he was still, he was a jokester. Yeah, I wish I knew him. I, I do too, honey. I've, I've heard a lot of good things. <laughs> the movie had most of the same cast, the sequel, Back to the Future Part 2. Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Tom Wilson, Crispin Glover, however. Hmm, not a repeat customer. Yeah, what happened with that? Well, apparently he wasn't thrilled with the ending for Back to the Future 1. He felt that the McFly's material success kind of took away from the message of the movie. And he felt that you really didn't need the things to, you know, show that they were happy because in the first movie they were happy. But I don't think that was the point. For me, I don't feel like that was indicating that they were successful because Marty has the new uh, forerunner in the in mm -hmm. the driveway and, and they have this, you know, George has the successful book and all mm -hmm. that. I think that was just kind of a byproduct of right. the fact that he decked Biff. Mm -hmm. And he had that and it, confidence to... Right. And it altered everything about yeah. him. He wasn't that squirrely kind of guy yeah, anymore. Yeah, pushover guy. Yeah. As a result of that, he had success in other areas, too. Right. Right. So, I don't know. Crispin Glover, I'm sorry to say, might have missed the point there. He might have. He might have. Yeah. So, he came into negotiations for the second movie, and he wanted, in addition to whatever money and everything, he wanted um, the ability to uh, approve the script. And <laughs> Bob Gale countered with that by um, offering a lower salary. And he offered him 125000 Crispin Glover turned it down. So then Gail rewrote the sequel script to lessen his screen time. I think that's kind of ballsy on Crispin Glover's part because, listen, dude, you're not the star of the movie. No. Michael J. Fox didn't come in looking for more money. Right. That I know of anyway, right. making demands. Right. And he's the guy that's really carrying this flick, let's yeah. face it. Yeah. So Bob Gale, in writing the script, mm -hmm. kind of came up with the idea, what would 1985 be like without George McFly? Oh, that's interesting. So that's, and he had to do that because of the whole Crispin Glover not being there. Right. So that's how he came up with the 1985 alternative. Ah, And then okay. they had to actually get there by going into the future, which they, remember in the commentary, they said they weren't even really that thrilled to go into the future because they were saying that nobody ever gets it right. That's its own <laughs> conversation. I'm not going to say where's my hoverboard, but you know what I am going to say? As a busy mom who works full time and takes care of a family, where is my pizza rehydrator? Hydrate level four, please. <laughs> Dinner in 30 seconds, yeah, people. That, that would be pretty cool. It's huge. It seems like they could come up with something like that, You right? know, why in 2015, with all this great stuff that they have, why do the people look so old? My only explanation for that in the movie is because the only way they could, you know, make you tell the difference between the Marty McFly and um, the Lorraine and everybody else of today is to make them look seriously older in the future. Oh my gosh, is the, that what parents look like in the 80s? All I know is you and I are, are close to the ages that they're supposed to be in 2015. I'm over. Right, and we don't look anything like that, no I'm offense. older than Jennifer of the future, and I'm looking at her going, she looks like she could be my mom. <laughs> yeah, it's 
It's definitely. And you uh, think if they can hydrate a pizza, they can hydrate their faces. Yeah. Well, again, I just think it's it's a matter of trying to differentiate between the modern day and the future. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Even though Crispin Glover opted out mostly for mm-hmm. this movie, it still did pretty well at the box office. It sure did. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it ended up grossing 118.4 million in the U.S., 332 million worldwide, and then it made another 72.3 million in rentals. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not bad for something that had an estimated budget of 40 million. Yeah, that's uh, not bad at all. Not, not bad. too shabby. No, and they um, filmed it from February 24th to August 2nd of 1989. Okay. And the movie was actually made under the working title of Paradox. Aha, yes. They didn't want word to get out of what they were doing. A cool little cameo, Mary Ellen Trainer played one of the two female cops who brings Jennifer home to Hilldale and Back to the Future Part Two. At the time, she was married to director Robert Zemeckis. That I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And if you're going, well, who the hell's Mary Ellen Trainer? Why do I care? Why do I care? Tell well, me, she, Jason. She played the mom in Goonies, and she was also the uh, psychiatrist in the Lethal Weapon movies. That's oh, probably the stuff that most okay. people know her as. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. she passed away a couple of years yeah. ago. But uh, I didn't even recognize her in Back to the Future Part Two, partially because uh, her face is concealed most of the time yeah. by her hat. They really she's pulled wearing, that cap down on her face. Yeah, and she's also wearing like a really long hair extension. So you really, if you pay attention, you can tell it's her. Yeah. But yeah, it's easy to miss. Yeah. It was also a first film appearance by one of my favorite hobbits, Elijah Wood. He was one of the two video game boys that Marty speaks to in Cafe 80s, and he tries to use the Wild Gunman arcade game with Marty. Yeah, and Marty says, oh, I'm a crack shot at this. And then Elijah Wood says, oh, you have to use your hands? That's baby stuff. (laughs) He was so (laughs) cute. He was adorable. So there's actually some cool stuff about the characters, too. Mm -hmm. Their names Mm -hmm. and what they're based upon and things like that. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, Emmett Brown. If you think about the name Emmett, E-M-M-E-T-T, mm-hmm. that's the way it's really spelled. Mm-hmm. But if you say it, Emmett, E-M-I-T, is how you would right. pronounce it, take that and make it backwards. Time. Time, T-I-M-E. Aha. And uh, his full name is actually Emmett Lathrop Brown. And Lathrop is basically Portal. In okay. reverse, with okay. the you know a little bit of change around. Okay. okay. So isn't that interesting that his name means Time Portal Brown? Aha! Mm-hmm. Very clever. Mm-hmm. He actually based his performance as Doc Brown on a combination of physicist Albert Einstein and conductor Leopold Stokowski. Oh, okay. Who's Who's Leopold Stokowski? You may say, as Tommy did. Yes. Fantasia. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Mr. Sikowski, Mr. Sikowski. And the way he pronounced gigawatts was based on the way a physicist whom Zemeckis and Gale met with for research said the word. Okay. A lot of people said it that way back then. All right. The two police officers that bring Jennifer home, they're named Reese and Foley. Those names are used by director Zemeckis and screenwriter Bob Gale for any police or government agencies in the films that they've written. Pretty cool. Yeah. Did you know that Biff Tannen... Mm-hmm. was named after Ned Tannen, who was a one-time head of Universal. Interesting that they named the bully that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And Biff's alternate 1985 version was loosely inspired by Donald Trump, hence the hair. OMG. And it's so fascinating that here we are talking about October 21st, 2015, which is the date in the movie, and Donald Trump is running for president. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, Zemeckis. Damn you. The alternate 1985 version of Lorraine was based upon Tammy Faye Baker. Remember her? Oh, with the mascara and the fake eyelashes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Don't even get me started on Jim Baker. Oh, don't even. Don't even. You had mentioned uh, some of the headlines on the USA Today that Marty and Doc are looking at in the future. Yep. 
Bob Gale wrote all of the headlines for the prop newspapers. Okay. So the 2015 USA Today paper had an article <laughs> called Thumb Bandit Strike After Amputating Thumbs of Hospital Patients. And Gale explained that in the future, people use their thumbs to pay for stuff. So there were thieves that would cut off people's thumbs and use them to buy stuff. And we saw Biff in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, did he pay for the taxi yes. by paying with his thumb? Yeah. Yes. And I went, oh, there, there's, there's a thumb payment. There's a thumb payment. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing he uh, pointed out is titled Man Killed from Falling Litter. And he came up with that because he thought, well, if cars are flying through the air and someone throws trash out of their car, it could actually fall on someone and kill them. That kind of harkens back to a couple of years ago when you heard stories of uh, an airplane that dumped you know, oh, sewage or the something. poop on Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the people having the birthday party in their backyard. Yep. And Gail also reveals that um, America has a female president in 2015. I don't think it's going to happen this election, though. Yeah, I wonder. It doesn't when, feel like it. Watching it in 85, you looked at that and went, oh, come on, really? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think a lot of people probably wonder about when watching the Back to the Future movies is, why are Marty and Doc connected? Mm-hmm. How do they know each other? He's a lot younger, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, they never really mentioned it in the movies, right? No. But in 2011... Writer Bob Gale said that Marty snuck into Doc's lab when he was 13 and was given a part-time job after he thought Doc's experiments were cool. That is cool. So the curiosity of a a young teenager led to this great story between the characters. Pretty awesome. Yeah. One of the things I've always loved about this movie from the first time I saw it, and one of the things that makes this particular sequel really shine for me, is all the futuristic stuff. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's so much fun, Mm -hmm. uh, even though, you know, most of it hasn't come true in 2015. But... Uh, of course, the hoverboards was was a big thing. Yeah, movie. yeah. According to IMDb, the hoverboard sequences were shot with actors on dollies or sometimes hung on wires. And in other shots, they had their shoes screwed into the board to give the illusion of the boards hugging their feet. Yeah. For example, Michael J. Fox's shoes were screwed down onto the hoverboard, but the only thing was between takes, they actually had to carry him around. <laughs> Good thing he's a little guy, Yeah, right? but 2015, watching it the other day, I was looking at the clothes, mm-hmm. thinking, well, I'm really glad some of that didn't happen, because some of it was yeah. a little scary. Yeah, like the two ties, Yeah, and wearing the pa- pants inside out, right, so the, your pockets The pockets out. inside out, <laughs> some of the women, what they were wearing, like yeah. all the lycra and spandex stuff, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> But I have to say, self-lacing shoes and uh, clothes that automatically size to fit you mm-hmm. and dry, and dry themselves, themselves, that wouldn't suck. That would not suck. And between the fact that you can hydrate your food in 30 seconds and mm-hmm. have your clothes take care of themselves in less than a minute, I mean, think of all the free time you'd have. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing that was kind of cool in this on uh, the future was the thing that walked the dog for you, too. Oh, that, that would be neat. so great in the crummy weather. Yeah. So um, let's talk about some of the things in Hill Valley that you see in kind of like the the center of town on the billboard and stuff. Right. So first off, Cubs win the World Series. Now, there's a couple of things about that. First off, it says Cubs win, you know, beat Miami to win the World Series. Mm -hmm. Now, there actually is a team in Miami, a baseball team in Miami now when there wasn't back in 1989 when Mm -hmm. the film came out, uh, the Miami Marlins. However, they're also a National League team. So that means that the Cubs could never actually play them in the World Series. The other thing it said that I noticed was Cubs win World Series sweep in five games or something like that. That doesn't make any sense because it's a best of seven series in the World Series and it would be sweep in four games. So apparently someone didn't know their baseball math. Either that or they extended the amount of games in the World Series in the Back to the Future universe or something. 
The other cool thing was the movie theater. Oh, yeah. In the center of town, a holofilm film is playing, and it's called Jaws 19. If you look at the marquee, you'll see that it's directed by Max Spielberg, who is the real-life son of the trilogy's producer, Steven Spielberg. Aha. Uh-huh. And did you see what it said also? This time, it's really, really personal. <laughs> I love when the shark comes out yeah. and it like looks like it's going to you know, eat, eat him. him. Yeah. Then it backs up and then he's like, oh, the shark still looks fake. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> the blast from the past store, which has all the uh, the memorabilia in the window. Some cool stuff there. Some mm-hmm. cool uh, quote unquote relics. Right. Marty's uh, denim jacket that he left behind in 1955. His super VHS camera, an Apple Macintosh. Uh, and a little nod to Zemeckis, uh, Roger Rabbit doll and lunchbox, mm-hmm. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, also directed by Robert Zemeckis. And there's also a really cool sort of cameo by the guy who does the voice of Roger Rabbit, oh, Charles Fleischer. Right. Yeah. He plays Terry, the guy that comes up to Marty in the future. What does he say? He's, is he talking is about, about the, the, clock, clock tower? the clock tower yeah. again? Yeah. yeah. And also... He's uh, in 1955. He's the one that that's charging Biff $300 to clean the manure out of the Oh, I hate manure. (laughs) (laughs) Some cool stuff about the alternate 1985. Mm -hmm. Biff's hotel was actually a model of the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas. Biff Tannen's Pleasure Palace, is that what it was called? Something like that. Something like that. And, (laughs) you know, another interesting thing about that, I thought, is that Hill Valley has really fallen down. Oh, yeah. In 85. I mean, you know, the the school's been, like, bombed pretty much. Stuff is on fire. It's just horrible. It almost looked like a zombie apocalypse, in my opinion. The cars, like, pulled over to the side of the road and abandoned. Oh, yeah, it's a mess. You know, and then, you know, have this beautiful hotel. And it just kind of reminded me of Vegas. (laughs) And and the word beautiful, by the way, is in quotes when we say that. Right. And by that, I mean not falling down. Right, right. And Biff's place is the only thing that's, uh, you know, structurally sound in, yeah. the, in the town. And that makes sense because he probably wouldn't give a shit about anything else that's but right. his own right, stuff. Right, right, The other thing, too, is the inside of Biff's hotel when they show Marty and Lorraine and Biff in, I guess, Biff's suite. Mm-hmm. Very, very reminiscent of the style of Scarface. Which is not really mentioned in the IMDb yeah, notes. No. Scarface is also a universal movie, so uh-huh. I'm sure that's that's not a coincidence. I have never seen that movie. That's you know we gotta it's watch a, that. It's it's kind of a movie that sort of uh, achieved the cult status too. Yeah, it's cool. It's long. I like that movie. Uh, we can watch it sometime. I'm not sure if you're gonna like it. I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to try it out. So I like the little uh, foreshadowing for Back to the Future Part 3 that they show in the movie. Oh, Doc's shirt. Yeah. Yeah, well, they do a couple things, don't they? I think so. Yeah, well, the shirt's definitely, you know, we looked at it and went, oh, gosh, because it had trains on it and a cowboy and uh, kind of, you know, foreshadows that events. And apparently that they used the material from that shirt again in Part 3 and made a bandana for Doc. Okay. The other bit of foreshadowing, I think, is when they get back to 1955. Mm Mm-hmm. Doc opens the suitcase full of all the currency. Right. They do show like 1885 currency Oh, in that's there. true. That's so, true. And the time machine, every once in a while, it kind of glitches and yeah. you see 1885. Yeah, that's right. The time circuits keep uh, going to January of 1885. 1885, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I like about these movies too is that they always kind of circle back to the original movie. Mm-hmm. So for example, in Back to the Future Part 2, when Marty and Doc arrive in 2015 Mm -hmm. and Marty walks out into the street for the first time as he's heading over to the 80s cafe to intercept Griff. Mm -hmm. He walks into the street almost identically to the way he arrives in 1955 in the first movie when you hear Mr. Sandman playing. Mm -hmm. So it's the same kind of sequence of him crossing the street and all that. Oh yeah, it's the same blocking. I think he he bumps into uh, Red, the town drunk, drunk. every time. (laughs) So there's a lot of callbacks to Mm -hmm. that, which I think is cool. Yeah. Um, 
And then the other thing, too, that he does is every time he gets knocked out and mm-hmm. wakes up yeah. and he thinks it's a bad dream, he always <laughs> says the exact same thing. Mom? Mom, is that you? Because in 55, <laughs> he wakes up and she's got him down to his underwear. Right. Calvin in Klein. Bed. And she calls him Calvin Klein. You know, and she says, and he goes, Mom, Mom, is that you? And, you know. And it is, but it's not. And <laughs> right. then he wakes up. In the alternate nineteen. In the alternate 85. Oh, and it's the, Mom, Mom, is that you? And she turns to him in that dress that's cut down to her belly button. Yeah, where she has the big fake boobs. <laughs> and he goes, Mom, you're so big. <laughs> yeah. But then another cute thing is that in 2015, mm-hmm. Jennifer comes home. Well, Jennifer goes to the house, right. which is her future home. And the daughter, Marlene, mm-hmm. who's played by Michael J. Fox in an adorable wig, <laughs> she pops out at the top of the stairs saying, Mom, Mom, is that you? Yeah. So it's a, I love reoccurring stuff like <laughs> that very in, in the series of movies. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are cool things. So there's a scene in Back to the Future Part 2 after old Biff steals the time machine and goes back to uh, 1955 to give young Biff the sports almanac. He comes back and they show him, and it looks like he's having a heart attack or yeah. something. And they never quite explain what's going on in that scene. Right. But you, you read about that, right? Yeah, I did. It turns out that there's a deleted scene, and it, it just you know extends that a little more. And it shows not only is he in pain, but he's actually starting to fade from okay. existence. Kind of the way Marty does at the uh, Enchantment Under the Sea dance in the first movie. Right. And when apparently, he's on stage. yeah, apparently there's some pain involved with that because when Marty starts to fade, mm-hmm. he's you know reacting. And then when Biff's starting to fade, but the fading you don't see in the finished movie. Right. So we were just looking at it thinking, oh, well, I guess he's, you know, old and he's having a heart attack or something. Yeah, it's not really explained. But it's okay because it doesn't really affect the story in any way. Right, right. But if you're ever wondering why Biff looks like he's in a lot of pain and having a heart attack, Mm -hmm. that's what it is. That's what it is. I had a lot of fun one day. Mm -hmm. I looked on YouTube and there's a couple of really funny clips One of them is called Dueling Jennifers. Okay. Back to the Future, Dueling Jennifers. So what they did was they took the end of Back to the Future 1 Mm -hmm. and then the beginning of Back to the Future 2, which obviously had to be refilmed. A lot of that had to be refilmed with Elizabeth Shue. Okay. And they play them side by side so you can actually see, you know, what's the same clip. Okay. What was refilmed. And then anything that was different there'd be like you know a circle around it and an arrow and a note you know okay so when you watch it it's really funny like he goes to the truck and he kind of leans on it for a minute and she appears in the garage and you're a sight for sore eyes Mm -hmm. and it shows him (laughs) and you can clearly see that it's a different truck oh wow in the in the second one okay because the driver's seat is completely different oh wow there's a front license plate on it now oh it's like there's a lot of funny stuff like that in the beginning of two, his hair's longer. Oh, okay. And then at the end of one, it was shorter and it was spikier. Okay. You know, and then in two, it's longer. But they yeah. never went to cut it and spike it again to give it the continuity. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they, they figured, who cares? Yeah. They probably figured, who cares? In 2015, it's not like people are going to be looking at these movies side by side. <laughs> On a crazy website. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they also had to refilm some stuff for the enchantment under the sea okay now they used you know a lot of missed camera angles and stuff like that and like footage of crispin glover and things like that but then you know they also added in things and michael j fox said it was actually a lot harder doing the same moves four years after the first film because he had to redo the whole johnny be good oh wow i can imagine that being really challenging yeah so we had to do that so they could get the different angles. And right. then they had him you know, like on the catwalk and all right. that stuff, too. There's a great little take from Michael J. Fox, uh, not directly to the camera, but he's watching himself 
playing Johnny Be Good, mm-hmm. and he's watching himself, and there's a little take where he, where he kind of you know makes a face like, eh, not bad. <laughs> Which I love. I love that. <laughs> oh, and in The Dueling Jennifers, mm-hmm. um, you can see that in two, Doc added a little take. Marty, Marty, you have to come with me in the future. Uh, something has to be done. And he goes, what do we become assholes, Doc? Yeah. And in two, you can see that Doc put a little take to the camera and like, well, well uh, you know, maybe <laughs> actually. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're it's fine. your kids. It's your kids. Yeah. It's great. Oh, and I love Jennifer's reaction because I was about that age, just mm-hmm. a little older back then. And the way she says, I can see, I can see our house. We can see our children. I can see my wedding dress. Because <laughs> that's what I would have wanted to see. Yeah. You know, so imagine her horror when she sees the pictures that they got married in the chapel. Oh, love. <laughs> a little Vegas wedding. <laughs> yeah. Marty's life, uh, you know. If, if it went the way it was supposed to, it didn't really turn out the way yeah. I think he had hoped. Well, he has that problem with people calling him chicken, is, and he takes on these that? challenges that he shouldn't do. Yeah, he and... can't handle somebody calling him a chicken. Yeah. When he's confronted by Biff outside of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, mm-hmm. and it's right before the other Marty comes running out mm-hmm. to meet Doc, and the door hits Michael, you know, the one Marty in the face, and then Biff beats him up yeah. and takes the almanac again. Yeah. If you watch, you can clearly see Michael J. Fox flinching with the expectation oh, of the door getting no, ready to hit him. He's anticipating it. Yeah, he's <laughs> anticipating the door getting ready to hit him. Oh, man, he knows that's it's funny. Coming. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's kind of a cool thing, too. Yeah. I have to tell you, I remember seeing this movie for the first time at the movie theater, and the scene where Doc gets the chalkboard mm-hmm. and draws the timeline. Yes, when he explains the uh, alternate 1985. Yeah, I sat there in the movie theater thinking, thank God, <laughs> yeah. I finally understand it. Yeah. Yeah. It's also kind of cool how the characters kind of give the whole backstory when they're having the conversations. <laughs> well, if your father didn't do that, blah, 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 right. then this wouldn't have happened and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Grandma Lorraine. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, they, they do all of that exposition without having to do it. Yeah. All, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about some of the ways they did the special effects in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the big things for me, aside from the flying car and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff is the way they seamlessly had Michael J. Fox playing all these different characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying At to remember... At the same time. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to remember if that had been done a lot. I mean, you know, there's always split-screen stuff. Right. Eddie Murphy had done some of that stuff, but I can't remember if that was before or after Back to the Future Part Two. Yeah, I don't know. But they used a, a pretty cool bit of technology to create those scenes with uh, the characters playing themselves against each, the, each other mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. So it was actually created for the movie. Yeah, talk about that. And it was called the Vistaglide. It was a new computer-controlled camera system, and it enabled one actor to play two or even three characters in the same scene while the boundary of the split screen is moving. That's cool. I mean, they say necessity is the mother of invention, so you got to love the artistry and saying, hey, we want to create this really cool special effect. Mm -hmm. Let's make it happen. Yeah, and it seemed real. Oh, it's great. I mean, we grew up watching movies where if people... Had to play against themselves. Yeah. Like, I think back to the classic parent trap. Sharon's talking to Susan, and it's the back of Susan's head, but it's obviously somebody else in a wig. Right. You know? <laughs> and But I grew up watching that thinking, okay. Yeah. It was a, I, no, you I accepted was it because you didn't have a choice. I was willing to suspend my disbelief. Right. <laughs> you know? But then they really upped the ante with this. Yeah, they absolutely did. And the other thing, too, you know, even though we were bitching earlier about how, you know, they made people that are supposed to be in their mid to late 40s really old looking yeah we kind of have to give props to the makeup people in the movie still because you know i mean it's probably hard taking people in Mm -hmm. their 20s and making them different enough yeah to make them look um older so yeah and i mean each person played themselves at least three times if you think about it 
Yeah. You know? And by the way, this is a good time for us to give major props to Tom Wilson. Oh, when I saw him in three, that was when I said to myself, I think he might be my favorite thing about this whole trilogy. Yeah. He, the I, I, rain. He's got good range. He's amazing. Let's let's just kind of review. Tom Wilson is the actor who plays Biff. But then you got to remember, he plays Biff, mm-hmm. Griff, mm-hmm. Old Biff, mm-hmm. and then in the Old West, he's Buford Mad Dog Tannen. He's just, he's yeah. all these characters. Yeah, because even when he's medium Old Biff, mm-hmm. think about it, at the end of 85, yes. he's more sniveling. Yes. Than he used to be because he got knocked down. Right. When he's when he's the the actual 1985 version of Biff as yeah. opposed to the alternate 1985 85 Biff, Biff, the Donald Trump Biff. Right. You know. So he's got all these different like dynamics to the same character. Yeah. I think that's so cool. And even when he's playing old Biff, mm-hmm. his physicality. Yeah, he's great. You know, the hunched over and the you know the way he holds the cane. You know, it's more than just old person makeup. There's a lot that happens to a body. Absolutely. You know, in 60 years. So yeah, exactly. yeah he pulls it off. And I want to say this, you know, I've read that uh, Tom Wilson does not really embrace these movies. Oh, why, Tom? I think he, he, wa- he doesn't want to be known as Biff for his whole life, and I get that. But listen, you know, if you were lucky enough to be part of this iconic film series, mm-hmm. playing this great role and doing a great job at it, if somebody comes up to you and, and wants you to sign their Back to the Future Blu-ray or DVD or something... That's a compliment. Absolutely. I mean, I, absolutely. I don't know. Because even playing Biff, he plays Biff like at least five different times in completely different ways. Yeah. And and I'm going to say this, too. As much as I love him in this movie, this series of movies, I should say, uh, I've seen him in other things, too. Freaks mm-hmm. and Geeks, mm-hmm. The Heat with uh, uh, as the, the police captain uh, mm-hmm. uh, opposite Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And he's done a lot of voiceover stuff. He's a terrific actor. Mm-hmm. Very underrated. And I think, you know, people definitely should give him props for the other stuff that he does, too. Definitely. And... I mentioned in the first podcast, he's an amazing stand-up comic, too. Very funny. Yep. Again, I'll say it. Go yep. on YouTube and do a search for Biff's Question Song. You will not be disappointed. Good stuff. Yep. So, Tom Wilson, we love you. We love you. Please don't disassociate yourself with please, Back to the Future. Please, please. Would you call my friend a butthead on your answering machine? <laughs> <laughs> So at the end, they have that little montage of scenes from Back to the Future Part 3. Yeah, they, they, I thought that was did, a great idea. Yeah, they did that purposely, too. Mm-hmm. They ended kind of with a trailer for right. 3 mm-hmm. in 2 because Zemeckis was so frustrated with the cliffhanger ending of The Empire Strikes Back that he wanted to let the audience know that the story would complete in six months, not three years later. That's a nice thing. And I think it was pretty widely reported back then that they were filming Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 3 at the mm-hmm. same time. So you knew it was coming. Right. But you didn't realize that it would be that quickly. So that's kind of cool. Right. And I also loved how at the end, it, instead of saying to be continued, it said to be concluded. Ah, nice. <laughs> yes. There's also been some rumors over the years about uh, a sequel to the series or a reboot with a female lead and without Michael J. Fox. And Bob Gale said, uh, no. I don't think so. And a great quote about what he said. He said, the idea of making another Back to the Future movie without Michael J. Fox, you know, that's like saying I'm going to cook you a steak dinner and I'm going to hold the beef. I just feel like they have to stop remaking things. Yeah. We're always talking about these 80s movies with Mm -hmm. a lot of reverence because they really hold up. Mm -hmm. And I guess movie producers recognize that. So they're saying, well, if the idea worked in 1980-something then maybe we can do it again now and it'll have that same magic. And it really hasn't worked. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm trying to think of one movie that... (laughs) I'm trying to think of one movie that they've rebooted that has held up to the original and I can't think of anything. Yeah, I got nothing. You have to wonder, are there no more original ideas coming out of Hollywood? Uh, It seems like Has it all been done? 
It seems like it. It sure does. Well, listen, if you have any thoughts about Back to the Future Part 2, or if you have any thoughts about what you think of all these reboots, you can let us know about that, too. You can send me an email at screenfacts at yahoo.com. You can tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jason Davis voiceover. Also, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this or other episodes of the podcast, please tell other people you know. Help us spread the word. Honey, thank you so much for uh, for being a part of the podcast as usual. I love Thanks doing it with you. Thanks for having me back to back the future. to the future. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, this was fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that we got to revisit the Back to the Future series because it's, it's a great series you. of films. When you ask me about my favorite movies, I will say Back to the Future 2 is absolutely one of my favorites of yeah. all time. Oh, absolutely. I love it. It's great. Mm-hmm. And happy Back to the Future Part 2 day, I guess. Who knew? So be careful. Watch out for flying DeLoreans. And hoverboards. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again to our announcer, Kim McKay from Kim'sVoice.com. Again, that's KYMSVoice.com. Thanks to you for listening. We'll talk with you soon. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to purchase a t-shirt and support the show. Or get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis. Jason Davis.